Welcome to the very first episode of The Witch's Haunt. Okay, so the first episode is airing and I almost cannot believe it. I was planning to start a podcast for a little bit over a year now and yeah, here we are. So I was thinking I'm going to introduce myself a little bit and tell you about my background. My name is Anna, aka Setter Moon. I'm a Taurus, eclectic witch, and avid tarot reader, and lover of all things occult. I have been practicing on and off for five years now. To me, it's always hard to define a specific date because I've always been a spiritual person and was drawn to magic. Maybe it's because of my Pisces moon. When I was around five or six, I was seeing ghosts and presences, but that's another story. Time went on, and with around 13, I was big into the gothic scene. Full-on black leather coat dyed my hair from blonde to pitch black, and listened to murder dolls and Marilyn Manson nonstop. But it was more than a fashion statement or a phase. And now, 17 years later, I'm still on my path and learning and growing along the way. And this is what it comes down to. We are all on a journey that unfolds as we go. We learn and grow along the way. And isn't it a great time? We can use the internet to connect, to help other witches, to form covens, gain back our power. If beautiful souls come together and shine their light into the world, this is an energy field. 2020, I stepped out of the broom closet and I didn't realize how much impact it would have to be openly practicing until I did. And just recently I learned how much the fear of being openly practicing witchcraft is ingrained in our DNA. Because so many women have been killed in the witch trials, there is a trauma we carry. And yeah, for me it was time to change and face this fear. Personally, I don't have many people I can talk to about spirituality, witchcraft, tarot, and all of that stuff. I found that it's not because no one is interested. In fact, there is a ton of people online. In my personal journey, it helped me tremendously to not feel alone, to have a sense of connection to other spiritual people. And that's also the reason why I started this podcast. A little backstory to the name The Witch's Haunt. So a haunt is basically a favorite place or a meeting spot. And I was thinking of this being a safe space and a meeting spot for both beginner witches, senior witches and just... Yeah, everyone interested. Studying the occult is much more wholesome if you have a podcast you can listen to 
no matter if you're cleaning the house, going on a walk, or driving in your car. In this podcast, I want to talk about topics relating to witchcraft, tarot, numerology, herbs and correspondences, and so much more. I'm going to dive into working with the moon, working with crystals and divination. If you want to learn more about this, then you're in the right place. In this episode, we are going to take a look at the wheel of the year, the herb of the week, and in the end, I'm going to pull a card for you guys. What better month to start out a witchy podcast than Spooktober, aka October, aka the best month of the year. It's just a magical time, and if there is a season of the witch, it's definitely fall. It's just so enchanting when the leaves are starting to turn yellow, orange and red. It's always a small miracle to me. So because of that, I have thought of the perfect topic for today. Samhain and the Wheel of the Year. Why? Well, because A... Samhain is around the corner, and B, it's a wonderful way to incorporate your magical workings into the year and the seasons. Let me start with the origins. One of the largest pagan religions in the world was founded in the 20th century. The word Wicca derives from the old English word for witch. Gerald Gardner introduced the Wiccan religion in 1954. Basically speaking, it celebrates duotheism, which means no single god, instead working with goddess and god. A key focus of Wicca is nature. It incorporates nature into offerings, rituals and practices to thank the earth for her gifts and to honor nature, which provides life. A very important part of Wicca is the Wheel of the Year. Gerald Gardner refined the original wheel, which was created by Margaret Murray. Margaret Ellis Murray was a British anthropologist and Egyptologist. She was known for the study of folklore, her scriptures about witchcraft, and so on. Anyhow, the Wheel of the Year to this day is a very important cornerstone of pagan, neo-pagan, and Wiccan practitioners. The Wheel of the Year The Wheel of the Year is the Wiccan calendar and splits up into eight festivals. The four major events are connected to the movement of the earth and the sun. They also are called Greater Sabbaths or Fire Festivals. These are Samhain, Imbolc, Beltane and Lunaza. 
Then there are the minor Sabbaths. Lita, Yule, Ostara and Mabon. The Sabbaths are often celebrated in covens or witch circles, but of course you can celebrate them alone, just like I do. I take my time to connect with the Sabbath, the nature, and create a sacred altar with items I collect, flowers, leaves, stones, or fruit, etc. Every Sabbath has its own story behind it, its own meaning, and of course, correspondences. So certain herbs, deities, animals, and much more that are linked to the Sabbath in particular. One interesting fact, the precise dates of the festivals are often flexible. So that is why when you look into the calendar and say, for example, Yule, this would be on December 20th to December 23rd. You can always Google them. My calendar has them marked, for example, which is so beautiful because you automatically get reminded on the lunar phases, Sabbaths, and everything in this hectic life. So what does it actually stand for, <laughs> the Wheel of the Year? The Wheel of the Year represents the cycle of life, with life, death, and rebirth. Just like we, as humans, are going into this life to someday die and be reborn, the wheel shows the process of flourishing in spring and summer and kind of dying in fall and winter. It honors our earth and nature which provides for us. The changing of the seasons was even more important as people used to be dependent on the harvest, the crops and the weather. But still to this day we depend on nature even if many people take our supply for granted. Offerings of food, drink, various objects were made. While there have been times where animals were also sacrificed, modern pagans prefer milk, grains, herbs, wine, incense, baked goods and more. And to me personally, <laughs> the wheel of the year is a great opportunity I mean, it brings so many options. It can be tailored to your craft. There are recipes, activities, indoor and outdoor, alone or in groups. So there is something for everyone. Let's talk Samhain. So Witch's New Year or Halloween, these are other names for the Sabbath. Samhain is the event for witches, pagans, Wicca practitioners all around the world. I mean, okay, sure, our modern TV shows and movies contribute to a hype around Halloween. Candy, horror movies, spooky corn mazes, getting all dressed up for a party is fun AF. But today I want to really speak about traditional Samhain. So, okay, Samhain is celebrated from October 31st to sunset, okay, maybe like restart, from sunset on October 31st to sunset on November 
first. Bonfires are hosted, pumpkins are carved and lit, and covens come together to celebrate and honor the ancestors. As it was believed, the dead, the fae, and all sorts of demons were roaming the earth on this special event. The people placed food outside to prevent any danger or harm, which later turned into the people themselves, dressing up in scary costumes and roaming the streets in search of candy. This is what we call trick-or-treating today. Samhain marks the end of the period of light and the beginning of the period of darkness. Magical correspondences for Samhain are candle magic, communication with spirits, protection magic, banishing and hex and curse breaking, as well as honoring the ancestors. Now that the veil is thinning during the time of October up to November, that means that the barrier between our world and the world of the dead is thin. Contacting deceased loved ones is easier. You might even feel their energies or their presence. You might also see them in your dreams. Or you just receive messages from the spirit realm in a reading. Therefore, I highly suggest using and harnessing this power of sewing. And divination is, of course, one of the major topics. So get out your oracle decks, your runes, your tarot cards and whatever you have. And maybe even journal your spreads and insights so you can take a look at them later. Now I want to tell you about one tradition that is very, very old and still to this day is practiced. And this is hosting a dumb supper. Okay, basically a dumb supper is a dinner that is hosted to honor the ancestors or deceased loved ones. And the word dumb in this context means silent. So you do not speak during the dinner. I mean, when I say not speak, I mean really no word is being spoken. Okay, how it works is you cook your meal. Of course, you set up the table. <laughs> the key feature is at the head of the table and here you set a place for the deceased. You might set up a photograph to represent your guest of honor. Traditionally, one example of food that's being served are soul cakes, which are cookies. <laughs> so basically a type of scone with raisins or currants inside. What is really important is have a black tablecloth and preferably black napkins and plates if you have them. But anyways, it should be all mainly black. Yeah, if you want to find more about, um, yeah, more information about that, you can find it online very, very easily. Now to the next part, which is one of my favorite parts. And a super, super popular activity, not only for witches and pagans. And this is carving pumpkins. But they are not only a fancy and nice decoration for your porch. In folklore, pumpkins are said to scare away any unwanted guests or negative energies. Therefore, the pumpkin or, or the jack-o'-lantern, what they are also called, are put beside front doors or on your porch 
to scare away unwanted guests. Personally, I like to see mine from the sofa, so I put one on the terrace, but yeah, maybe I'm even going bold this year and buy two pumpkins to carve. So another tradition that has to do with your home, it's said to leave your doors unlocked in order to let your deceased ancestors in. Well, I don't know about you, but I live in a quite big city, so this would be rather a risk to the security. What you could do instead is you could do an offering, so foods like cheese, nuts, grains and milk, or maybe also your ancestors' favorite sweets, would be placed on a table, on a plate, as an offering. So don't eat them yourself and leave them as the offering. And then after it's done, you also don't eat it, you, you really throw that away. So preferably, so says the tradition, in numbers of nine. So let's say you have, I don't know, three pieces of cheese, three pieces of nuts, and three pieces of candy. What I love to do, no matter what season it is, is renewing my altar. So if you have one, just for, like for Samhain or other Sabbaths, that is totally fine. I have a main altar because space is limited, so and even if you do not have one, that's also totally fine. So I collect nature's gifts outside. I collect acorns, leaves, pine cones, whatever I can find. I would maybe place a pumpkin along with that, something representing my ancestors or my roots. Also symbols like skulls, bones, cauldrons, crystal balls or scrying mirrors. You could incorporate deities if you work with them. Also animal symbols. I have a deck with um, an oracle deck with animals, so that would also be an idea for something like that. Fresh flowers are a great add-on. Just, I don't know, see what your local farmer's market or even your garden has to offer during this time. And yeah, that's so much for the altar. Now I'm going to explain a little bit about correspondences. So if you're new to witchcraft, you are going to see this word correspondence a lot. <laughs> and it certainly will help to write some of them down because you cannot remember them all. It's just simply impossible because there are so many. So correspondences are linked to certain deities, lunar phases, astrological signs, as well as, in this case, Sabbaths. Every Sabbath has its own correspondences, which will help you connect to the energy and strengthen your magical workings. Related foods are, in this case, mulled wine, apple cider, soul cakes, Cole Cannon, which is a mashed potato mix with cabbage, and Barmbrack, I hope I pronounced that right, which is a bread with raisins. Also grains, corn, pears, and apples. Corresponding herbs are mint, mugwort, catnip, lavender, rosemary, mullein, rue, 
calendula, sunflower, sage, apple leaves, and your typical pumpkin spice selection. So nutmeg, allspice, cinnamon, etc. <laughs> crystals would be typically dark or deep red crystals, such as garnet, smoky quartz, jet, obsidian, or tourmaline. Smoke cleansing. So smoke cleansing is something I really love to do, no matter if it's just a Sabbath or a regular day. I would consider myrrh perfect for this because it's used to honor the, or contact the ancestors and the deceased. So you burn it before divination or before you start your ancestor work. Then also copal, mugwort, or patchouli. If you don't like resins or all of the above, then sandalwood is a great incense for healing and for purification. Animals that correspond with Samhain are cats. <laughs> My favorite animal, by the way. I love cats. Especially black cats. Bats, spiders, rats, wolves, snakes, ravens, and crows. Stacks, jackals, and scorpions. Which is fun because <laughs> it's Scorpio season soon, so that fits perfectly. <laughs> okay. So, I'll see you in the next section, which is the Herb of the Week. Now it's time for the Herb of the Week. Every week I present you the Herb of the Week, which I will portray and talk a little bit more about the correspondences. Okay, so today's herb is Mugwort. Yes, it's one of my favorite herbs to work with. And what is it? What is mugwort? This perennial grows almost everywhere, from fields, roadsides, railroads, riverbanks, etc. Its Latin name is Artemisia vulgaris, so it is linked to the Greek goddess Artemis. And just like her, it's associated with moon, lunar cycles, childbirth, women's health, and so much more. Many cultures have used mugwort, like the Druids, the Aztecs, the Native Americans, Chinese, and Japanese, just to name a few. The correspondences for mugwort are the astral realm and astral travel as well, protection, dream work, lucid dreaming, divination. And what I find so fascinating about mugwort is the energy of the plant. So mugwort helps to open your mind, to be more receptive to messages, good for divination. And if you are able to smoke cleanse at home, you could, for example, burn it on a charcoal disc before you practice your divination and your readings. Or if you do it, for example, before you practice your astral travel, so what it is used for is basically in incense and smoke cleansing, as I mentioned, in teas, in spells and spell jars, candle magic, sachets, tinctures, and also, pretty interesting, in herbal blends to smoke. So no, it's not what many of you might think. <laughs> this is not doing anything suspicious. So 
if you smoke mugwort, it is said to enhance your spiritual awareness. Anyhow, I do not advise anyone to smoke. So I will just leave it at that. <laughs> so according to folklore, planted in a garden, it is said to attract the fae. In dream sachets, it's said to ward off nightmares. You can bind it to a besom to sweep your home with. Okay, also if you have a smaller besom, you could sweep your altar space with it. <laughs> You can make a ritual wash and clean your magical supplies with it. And you can make a protection oil with it to ward off any evil of your home. Yeah, and what's really, really cool about mugwort is it's growing everywhere. I mean, not, not everywhere, okay? So in many places, and my mom even <laughs> collected some for me this year because I couldn't find mugwort in my area and I must be honest with you guys I have not the perfect knowledge of collecting herbs and foraging so yeah it's always good to have your mom as a I wouldn't say specialist but she knows a lot about plants and she collected some for me and I found it so interesting that it looks completely different from the plant you buy online Because, you know, when you buy it online, it's more like a crushed herb, if that makes sense. And if you collect it in nature, she collected some leaves. <laughs> uh, I hope that's the right word for that. And it, it looks completely different. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that was basically almost it. If you... One quick disclaimer before we go into our reading. If you like this episode, I would be happy if you would drop by. You can find me on TikTok. That's Settermoon with three O's. <laughs> Or you could send me an email to thewitcheshaunt at gmail.com. If you want to find me on Instagram, that would be Instagram thewitcheshaunt. So now it's time for the card of the week. I've used my oldest tarot deck which is the Alistair Crowley Thought Tarot. It's also like my first tarot deck that I purchased myself when I was 30. So yeah, I've been drawing a card for you guys and the card of the week is the Hierophant. And this card calls you to honor family traditions or sacred rituals that have been neglected. Think about old family traditions, maybe even community traditions. You are being asked to commit to spiritual practice in its most wholesome form. Have you been lacking ritual or tradition in your life? Then create a regular practice which can reach from a simple card of the day, daily affirmations or walk through a park to reconnect with mother nature. Consider exploring your spiritual or religious heritage. Okay, guys, that was it. That was my first ever podcast episode. Well, I wish you a wonderful week ahead. And remember to listen to your intuition. Because magic lives in all of us. Blessed be.